0: Welcome to the Trademark Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to hear our message today. Another thing we would love is for you to join us in person, whether that's live, online, or if you're local to DFW, come visit our location in Fort Worth, Texas. For service times, location, and everything you need to know, visit trademark.church. We hope today's message encourages you and helps you live a more fulfilling life in Jesus. I didn't turn my mic on right here. So, uh, we crushed it right here in front of house. Um, so I'm just grateful to be with you guys. Uh, let me, before we begin, Psalm one is where we're jumping. If you want to click there or turn there, if you got notes and let me just brag on your church and your pastor for a moment. So, um, I'm Brad Cooper, and I uh, come from the Carolinas, and so this is my first time getting to be here on location at Trademark, but I want you to know that on behalf of New Spring Church, where I pastor uh, with a team, we pray for you guys all the time. You're a part of a group of churches that we pray for. We pray for your leadership. We pray for your pastoral work and mission and ministry, and so we keep your church's name in front of our people there in South Carolina. I I grew up in youth ministry uh, with Pastor Landon. So he and I got to really know each other probably like 12 years ago, 13 years ago, up in Oklahoma, there was this youth conference. And we we were there with a bunch of different folks. And, uh, and, you know, in church conference world, you just, you know, there's a lot of this, a lot of leadership. But this youth conference was particularly unique because I didn't know it at the time, but there was like a Basketball competition between a bunch of churches running in the background. So when you'd finish the youth conference, everybody go play basketball. And y'all don't know me uh, like this, so I'm going to just go on record. I hate to lose. Anybody hates to lose, show me your hands. Where are you? Okay, very cool. Like, I'm just, on record, I'm the guy that dies before he loses, okay? The Lord's working on me with this. Uh, I played college baseball and football. I'm not very big, so this gear of hating to lose was a really prominent feature to my, my college career. But here's what I knew about Landon. We started playing basketball at this at this tournament, and I knew that he and I are either gonna be really good friends or we're gonna be arch enemies because you know what your pastor Hates to lose too, and I just had a mutual respect for him. He was a gamer; he carried his team. I knew if we just shut him down, we were going to have a chance because uh, we had a couple of guys on our team that could, could play a little bit. But that was when he and I ended up becoming good buds years and years ago. And now we're in this world where we're you know continuing to grow in ministry, and it's an honor and a privilege to be here to, to uh, share God's word with you. I want to introduce you to my family. They weren't able to come today, so I wanted to show you a picture of them. This is my family. My wife, Corey, and we got three kids. My oldest is Campbell. Uh, she's in the third grade. My uh, second girl is Mary Bradford, and she's in the first grade. And then right there in the middle, grinning real big, he's a cute little sinner. His name is Gaines Graham, all right? And don't let him fool you, okay? He is a, I'm not kidding, cute little sinner. That's who he is, a believer in total depravity. He needs Jesus still, okay? So if I pray for him, let me tell you what I mean. I come home during the month of December, Uh, The kids are all in school. They get out of school. Parents, where are my parents at? Wave at me, parents. Do y'all have that weird moment here when kids get out of school? But um, my daughters are asking me, Dad, when do you get out of school for Christmas break? And I said, just wait on adulthood, baby. You don't get Christmas break. You get like Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. You don't get Christmas break. So they're at home with mom. I drive home for like lunchtime break uh, a couple of days before Christmas, and I get in the driveway, and my wife throws the car door or the, the front door open. I'm getting out of the car. She goes, "I need you inside right now." <laughs> I walk inside, and my wife was wrapping Christmas presents, prepping for Christmas days, and all the things. And so she had everything sprawled on the floor, and she's got the paper going, and all this. David, you'll learn how to wrap Christmas presents one day if you've not got this down, okay? And and so wrapping Christmas presents, but somewhere while she's over here taping one Christmas present, my son picks up the scissors. He decides that Mary Bradford needs a haircut. That's not even the best part. He misses her hair and catches her left ear. And so I'm literally pulling in the driveway as this is going down. And so i walk into the living room and it is scissors and tears and hair and blood and screams, all right? And so we jump in the car and we end up taking him. I don't know if anybody's in the medical world. They've got this really cool stuff that they've invented since I was a kid. Instead of doing like immediate stitches, there's this medical glue right? It's like purple glue. We've now ordered like this from Amazon. Uh, my dad who's with me and my, my, uh, my, the grandparents have ordered it. They've got it at their house because we have run into this medical glue. This will be like the third time that we've landed in medical glue land. And so we own it now. We don't have to go to the emergency room where they charge you a bazillion dollars to put some glue on your kid's but my daughter's doing well, uh, but I just wanted to put that out there that though we clean up on Sunday mornings, we put product in our hair and tuck our shirts in. We're all chaotic. Amen. And we all need Jesus. Amen. And so, uh, I just wanted to say, I love you guys. And my family sends their best and pray for my wife. Cause she's at home with all three of them right now. And I'm here with you, you know? And, uh, so let's open up the word of God together and we'll jump right in Psalm chapter one. Psalm chapter one. Um, oh, I got to show you this too. I was at the hotel last night. I opened up my Bible just like I did now, and I've got a card in there. From that little cute one that had her ear cut, she made a card for me. And it's got a little heart on it, and then it's got a picture of me and her. Don't know where her brother is in the picture, he's not there. <laughs> course, neither is her sister or her mom, but just she and I, I love you so much daddy with her favorite ice cream. Cause that's what she wants when we get back home. So anyway, I opened this up yesterday when I got to the hotel and it blessed me. So let's read Psalm one together. Blessed is the man who walks in the, uh, excuse me, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law. Let's pray together. Father God, this is your words and we have read them aloud. And so now, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and would you read us with your word? Would you encourage us where we need to be encouraged? Would you equip us where we need to be equipped? Would you correct us where we need to be corrected? And Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the finished work of the cross, that I would be your vessel today to help your people today so that we might we might be what you've intended us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people say together, amen, amen. I'm gonna give you three things today from this passage that I think will be helpful. I've been following y'all alone, by the way, as you've gone through Exodus 33 and 34 and been leaning into the word of God, literally the name of God, his character, that he's slow to anger, that he's abounding in steadfast love, that he wants to put that love on a thousand generations, but at the same time, while he's on the edge of his seat, to look for someone to forgive. He's not going to just ignore sin, that he's got real justice for real sin. That's good news today. But what I want to do today is give you a picture as we kind of are turning from the month of January. And the next time you come to church on a Sunday, it's going to be February and we're already on our way. 2023 is getting some of it in the rearview mirror and we're driving headlong towards 2024. It'll be here before you know it. Uh, One of the things that I've got to just confess is, um, I don't know if parents, any of you guys are like this, but we get our kids in bed and my wife and I get in bed many nights and we find ourselves at the same time doing the same thing. You know what we're doing? We're on our cell phone. Texting. And so we'll lay in the bed and we'll be texting anybody honest enough at church today that would confess you have dropped a cell phone on your nose. Anybody done that one? You're like, Take it. oh, boom, it hits you right in the face. It's hilarious. All right, so we're in that moment and we, you know, it's one of these things we try not to do. But a couple of years ago, we're texting like this and uh, my wife goes, What are you doing? i like, What do you mean? What am I doing? She goes, I said, I'm texting. She goes, No, you're not. I was like, yes, I'm texting. She goes, why is your phone so close to your face then? Why are you texting? I don't know, Chester, if you've got this reality. But what I had found out that I didn't know was uh, I was losing my vision. And uh, is anybody getting older out there? Uh, maybe your arms need to get longer so you can read your text. Any of those people? Any of those people right here? Uh, but I, my, I had to go to the doctor. I found out that I'm going the other way. So in order to read my phone I, or my computer, I had to like get it right here. And I hadn't really paid attention. But I guess somewhere along the way, I just started doing this. And my wife called me out in bed. It's like, what are you doing? So I go to the doctor and I find out I need glasses. Now, I'm completely fighting this whole getting old thing. I'm 40 this year. I've had three knee surgeries. I need glasses now. But I found out I need glasses. And um, the first point that I want you to write down for today is that Psalm 1 is a set of glasses to see through Now I'd actually brought my glasses and I discovered this also in the first service. I packed them and then I got up here on stage. I opened them up to only realize my glasses are not here with me. Uh, That my children at some point have taken them out of my, and they're laying in my office somewhere. So I had my glasses for you, but good news is I'm wearing contacts. But something about the Psalms, we've read a couple of them today, that I did not realize, there's 150 Psalms, but when when they originally put the manuscripts together for the canon, for the Bible, thousands of years ago, the original manuscripts didn't have a one beside Psalm one. Psalm one was actually Psalm two. The reason that this is important is that what the intent is, is that Psalm one would be a set of glasses that you'd read the rest of the Psalms with. That it's a table of contents for the entirety of the book of Psalms and the old Testament to be read by. So this is what the scholars would put before us. And so I'm just putting those glasses on us and the, if you're taking notes, is it Psalm One? There really is two by two by two. There's so many twos. There's there's actually there's two plants. There's this beautiful tree, and then there's this plant that doesn't have roots. This chaff that the wind drives away. There's there's not just two plants. There's actually two paths. There's the the path that the the wise person walks on, and then there's the path of the wicked. And actually, if you look at the psalm, it tells you right in the first verse that there's someone who's walking, and then they're standing, and then they're sitting. There's like a motion that slows down. If you listen to the wrong voice on the path you actually go from walking in life to stopping and standing and entertaining to ultimately sitting with the wicked not only is there two paths but there's actually two voices in life there's there's the voice of wisdom crying aloud in the streets and then there's the voice of the scoffer there's just two one two and then ultimately if you're writing down notes i want you to see that there's two outcomes there's two outcomes Now, the reason that this is important is because we live in a world today that is full of, and I love this word, it's a really popular word, full of nuance, full of gradients. There's full of spectrum out there, but here's the whole purpose and point is the Lord wants you to know though, you can trust that in the middle of your cultural nuance, in the middle of new things and new technologies and new methods and and new things that we can trust the word of God, that there really is just two paths Because there's just two voices, and there's just two outcomes. And when you put those glasses on, you can see the world and interpret your actions better. And so at the start of 2023, I just want you to think about that for a moment. Which path are you on? Which voice are you tuned into? Which outcome will be yours? Will you be a tree, or will you be the chaff that is driven by the wind? We were just singing these beautiful lyrics about this wind that blows and this rain that comes and this firm foundation. And I want you to know we can trust the word of the Lord, amen? amen? You can trust the word of God. It's a set of glasses to live by to see by. Number two, I want you to write down is simply this Psalm one points us back to the Garden of Eden and it points us forward to the Garden City in heaven. It's two things. Uh, the shorthand, if you want to write this down, is, is, is Psalm one is just a signpost, it's a signpost. And so what it was doing to the original readers, this would have been a callback to that Edenic garden scene of Adam and Eve. And if you go and read it, you've probably heard the story. Even if you don't grow up in church, you hear the story of Adam and Eve in a garden. But think about this. There's Adam and Eve in relationship with God, which is what we were intended for, everyday relationship with him. They're living in a beautiful paradise and there is a river there and there is a tree there, the tree of life. And so this is the picture. And so Psalm one is a pointer back, but not only that now in the new covenant, we also know this, it's a pointer forward to the garden city. One of the things about the scriptures that are so cool is, is in a lot of ways it's cyclical. And so in the end, John tells us in the book of revelation, I'm going to read it in just a moment that we, the people of God will be just like Adam and Eve. God with his people In relationship, in a garden city, there's a river there and there's a tree there. And the description of this tree that John writes about in Revelation 22 picks up these exact words. Some of it is an exact and direct quote from Psalm 1. I wanna read it to you. It's uh, Revelation 22, it's verses one through three. John writes this, okay? John writes these words. Then the angel, he showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, And of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city and also on either side of the river. So this tree is like growing on both sides. It's like the river runs right through it. The tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. And so I don't know, any of you guys ever traveled somewhere where you didn't speak the language and you're trying to read the sign there? Show of hands, anybody ever been in one of these places? You're like, what is it? I, uh, I had this happen to me at the end of the last year. I was traveling for school and I was over uh, in Europe and I was trying to figure out where I was. I'd never been there before and it was chaotic. Everybody knew exactly where they're going. And when I got to the sign, that told me, You're on the right path, this way to the train station to get on the train to travel where I was going. There was just a sense of relief that washed over us. Here's the point. Psalm 1 in this tree today serves us here at Trademark Church as a signpost, letting us know if we're walking on the right path. And it can be a sense of relief. I've prayed that it would be a sense of relief even for you today as you've come to the house of the Lord to hear the word of God, that it would be an affirmation. Keep going. You're walking on the right path or that today or maybe 2023 would be a invitation to get off the path that maybe you walked in 2022 and you want to choose a different outcome, a different path, a different way of living in 2023. And so this signpost of this beautiful tree is established that you and I would know that God has got us all on a journey, but he's got us all on a destination. Now I've got to get a little theological here. Are we okay? Everybody good? Everybody good? If you're good, say I'm ready. All right. So this is going to be super cool. But one of the things I think we've got to reckon with is that what we are doing today as Christ followers that makes the the here and now so valuable is that we right now are models of new creation. Right now, what God is creating in us, and this is so big. One of the things I've got to just mention here is we are not waiting to go to heaven when we die. The Bible doesn't talk like that. That is Platonic Greco language. The Bible says in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done where? On earth earth as it is in heaven. So the Bible talks like, and by the way, John writes in Revelation that heaven actually comes down to earth. And so I don't know your background in eschatology, but here's the truth. God wants to change you, save you, cause you to be born again and invite you in to be a part of a people that are representing new creation. That Psalm 1 isn't the only signpost, but as a matter of fact, this gathering of believers are supposed to be an apologetic to all of Fort Worth that heaven has come to earth and there is a new creation. There's a new way to be human. There's a new way to live. And what we are doing here today in the here and now is gonna get brighter and bigger and louder and more beautiful and more glorious as we move towards the heaven in the future. Are you with me? All right, so this is a little bit of a corrective, but this is the way the Bible talks. And so one of the things we gotta recognize is there is no such thing as just simply a individualistic relationship with God alone, that there is something that God wants to do with all of us in community. So did Pastor mention that this is a group season coming up and that if we're called to step into community, I just want you to know that that's not just what churches do, it's actually what what the spirit of God does in us, that we're not called to just live in personal relationship only. We're called to live among the people of God because Jesus is coming back, not for an individual, but for a bride of people. Amen. If you're still with me and that wasn't too much of a deep end, say thank you. All right, good news, okay? So we are here today as a shining light of new creation. Now, one of the things I gotta point out, are there any people here that love going and seeing a movie, love going and letting it get dark and eating the buttery popcorn, maybe some milk duds, you can mix them with the popcorn, is they're really tasty? Anybody show hands, where are movie people at? My people, my people, my people, okay? Jonathan, I saw your hand up back there in the back, Jonathan, you're a movie guy? All right, yeah, okay, thumbs up, okay. Um, uh, So here's the deal, I used to go to movies every Thursday, And then we had kids. Now I never get to go anymore. But I love a movie. Have you ever been in a movie theater kind of like this when the lights are up and and then what happens right before the movie starts? The lights go down. If you're in one of those old school theaters, the camera camera angle gets a little wider because they pull the curtain back a little bit. And then the movie, have you ever been in a movie theater where the lights didn't go down and they started playing the movie? I've been in a movie just like this. I'm like, okay, some teenagers run in the movies. Okay, you know, but what happens when that happens? Somebody stands up and has to go tell them, start the movie over. I didn't pay $27 to come here and eat popcorn and watch this movie in the light, right? Right, you get me, right? The darkness helps to set up the movie. Here's the point. In the same way as the world around us gets darker and darker, This is a part of God's superintended process that the movie he's playing in the lives of Christ followers would be brighter and brighter and it would be more dramatic and put on display. So don't sweat it when the world gets dark. Just know that the Lord is bringing the attention on the people of God so that people go, oh my gosh, how come you go to church with people that don't look like you? They're not your age. I mean, look around this room today. What in the world has caused this kind of people to come together in unity other than the blood of Jesus Christ? And so as the world gets dark, oh, and by the way, we're kind of in the middle of a lull right here in America in the political turmoil. Every four years we kind of go through, but it's coming. It's going to turn up again. When it does turn up and it gets crazy out there on social media and everywhere else, and you got, you got aunts and uncles and grandparents and your own opinion too, don't let that darkness get darker and darker, not make you go, wait a minute, we've got the solution. It's called the new creation. And we are an example and a model of the new creation. And when it gets dark out there and people have no hope to find out there, they're gonna come right here and find the hope of Jesus Christ and go, oh my gosh, what do y'all have, amen? If you're gonna, go, if you're gonna clap, go ahead and clap. That's okay, all right, that's it. All right, so you you two are a signpost that we're not going back to Eden. We're actually going forward to the Garden City, and what we're doing here matters. And the third and final point I want to put before us today, in addition to that, I'm going to go ahead and write the point down. Is that it's a promise we can trust? Psalm one is a promise we can trust. I'm going to show some pictures to illustrate this. Psalm one is a promise that you can trust. So if you came to South Carolina, I would show you the picture. uh, I would take you actually to a place that I, the most beautiful, magnificent tree that I know of on the planet. Maybe there's somewhere in Texas that has a tree like this, but this tree in South Carolina is down near Charleston. It's on an Island there called John's Island. It's known as the angel Oak. I want to show it to you. This is a picture of the angel Oak. Okay. The angel Oak, you see it right there? Now these, you see, these are little people over here. I'm just giving you a little Context. See how big this tree is. Uh, The kind of tree is it's a live oak, and they named it the Angel Oak. And people come and look at it because it's it's arguably the oldest tree in our country that we know about. It's definitively the oldest tree in South Carolina. And there's these kind of trees all over, but this is the oldest. It's like the 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 classic Angel Oak. But one of the things that'll blow you away about this tree is when you picture the tree of Psalm One. What are you picturing? Because God is after oaks of righteousness. He's not after tumbleweeds of righteousness. And so he wants to grow you and I into oaks of righteousness. But in order to do that, we're going to have to, as I mentioned before, we're gonna have to trust the promises of Psalm 1. And the way I wanna really illustrate this is I got a chance to take a picture with a picture of the acorn. And this is one of the smallest little acorns grew that big old behemoth of a tree right? It's dynamic. So little, so small. You know, I grew up with like white oaks and red oaks in the backyard. We put them in the slingshot and shoot them at our cousins and stuff like that. I don't know anybody else. They're like really nice size. These little, these little acorns from the the live oak, the angel oak are little bitty. One of the things I want to put before you is that you and I have an invitation in Psalm one to come and trust the promises of God, to embrace the process. That God is not gonna microwave this thing in you and I, but he's actually gonna grow it in us. And there's some things that we have seen God do in your church over the last month that I wanna just encourage you to keep going. I'm gonna give you three things that you can embrace this year in 2023 right here at Trademark Church that are gonna equip you. All right, the first one is just simply this. It's just reading your Bible. One of the ways to grow from that acorn to that beautiful oak is just embracing the word of God. I'm going to share with you some stats. Okay. Now these stats are unbelievably powerful, but if you read your Bible this year, four times a week, that's basically every other day. Now I want you to read it every single day. I'm sure, I'm sure pastor does too. read it every single day. But if you just embrace your Bible four times a week, there's some really cool things that happen. Okay. Check this out four times a week. These are the things that, that uh, science has found to be true. If you, uh, Read your Bible four times a week. Feeling of loneliness dropped 30%. So, Think about that for a moment. Our world has all kinds of loneliness going on and all the side products from that, but 30% if you just read your Bible. Anger issues drop 32%. Bitterness in relationships drops 40% if you just read your Bible four times a week. Alcoholism drops 57% just if you read your Bible four times a week. Sex outside of marriage drops 68% if you just read your Bible. Feeling spiritually stagnant, like you're just stuck four times a week, it drops 60%. Viewing pornography drops 61%. Maybe that's something you've struggled with or know someone If you just put your eyes on the scriptures four times a week, it drops 61%. Now, some other things... Jump, sharing your faith jumps 200% if you just read your Bible four times a week because you're gonna see things in here, you're like, oh I gotta tell you something, coworker, classmate, girlfriend, boyfriend, I, something that I'm being shown in the Word, it, it it jumps 200%. In addition to that, discipling others jumps 230%. If you just read your Bible four times a week, that's pretty unbelievable, isn't it? Now these stats, um, the team has the footnotes on this, but these stats were found out by Lifeway, who is a huge conglomerate that does a lot. Maybe you've seen Lifeway Christian stores. That's one of the things they found out. They're actually an unapologetically Christian organization. The next two set of stats these are secular organizations that discovered them. CNN was the first one, and Harvard, uh, Harvard Health discovered the next one. So these, these groups are not trying to promote Christianity, but they're finding out results because it's an apologetic to the world when you start to trust the process. The second thing I want you to write down, and this was actually discovered, this one by CNN, uh, is if we prioritize daily prayer. So reading our Bible and then prioritize daily prayer. My church, like yours, is finishing up some intentional time of prayer at the beginning of the year. We go through 21 days of prayer and fasting. God's called us to pray. He's bled so that we might pray, so that we might come boldly before the throne of God. And one of the things that you see for those that do pray is they they actually bear some fruit. Here's some of the fruit that if you pray every day, here's what comes your way. Increased calmness, increased peace. Anybody need more peace? increased encouragement, increased social support, reduced isolation, reduced anxiety, reduced fear, lower rates of depression, reduced anger, and reduced aggression. Now that source is the psychological benefits of prayer. It's an article that was written, what science says about mind-soul connection done by CNN Health. So they're not trying to promote church attendance today, but yet they can't deny what prayer does in the lives of people because our God and science aren't at odds because God created science. And the deeper you dive in, the more you're gonna see that faith and science actually complement. amen? They don't stand at odds. You can trust the promises of Psalm 1. The third and final one uh, this morning, I want to go ahead and invite you in just a second to give yourself a hand because if you prioritize weekly church attendance, there's some promises coming your way. So why don't you go ahead and give yourself a hand. Clap your hands for those around you. Well done. You made it. This is a big deal what I'm about to share with you because in a post-COVID reality, you could settle for watching online. And I'm sure there are some folks at the house are keeping up on the podcast and praise God for technology. Praise God that when we're sick or we've got a sick kid or you know, you're in a season, praise God. No, we're not at war with technology, but there's a reason that when you come together every week and gather with other believers from other different, again, first off, you're a signpost to the world that there's a new creation thing going on here. But two, you also get to reap some benefits. You ready for the business? Benefits. Here's the benefits. You show up at church every week. Frequent churchgoers have a 55% reduction in all cause mortality risk. Translation. If you want to live, come to church. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I mean, we don't know where the fountain of youth, I mean, I, you know, some of those adventurers back in the day were looking for the fountain of youth. DeSoto, I think, was the one, right? He found Florida. Well, there's no fountain of youth out there other than coming to church. Come on, somebody. 55% more likely to live this year if you go to church every week. Well, let me tell you why, because there's some other things that are impacted by showing up at church. Um, those who participate in religious services at least once a week are more optimistic Did you see somebody greeting you with a smile out there this morning? More optimistic, it's just natural. They have lower rates of depression, five X less likely to commit suicide. Now I know everybody in this room has probably been touched by that, but think about five X multiplier to not go down that path of isolation, depression, loneliness and death, because you're a part of something that's transcendent, more significant. Five X less likely to commit suicide. 33% less likely to die in deaths of despair, i.e. alcoholism, drugs, or suicide. And this source is going to church could save your life. New Harvard study flags public health cost of cutting church. And so this is Harvard Health that came up with these stats. Again, powerful stats. Now think about combining the three. Reading your Bible, praying, and showing up at church You're not going to look like chaff at the end of 2023. You're going to look like an oak of righteousness. Amen. So that's what God's got on offer for you. So, and listen, I don't just say this to encourage you, but I hope you're thinking about who are the friends and family members, the coworkers and the classmates and the teammates, the folks at the cul-de-sac you live in or the apartment complex that live above you and beside you and all around you that need this truth. Because listen, it is mutually beneficial to show up into the house of God every single week and read the word of God and pray to the God who cares. It's going to change your life. So here's what I want to say before I close is that sounds really great, pastor. And I'm a natural skeptic. Okay. So I'd hear things like this and I think you should too. And you should just kind of naturally go, can I believe that? One of the beauties of the word of God is putting it into practice and seeing it for yourself. Now, I am 40, I told you guys that at the beginning of the service. So that means I'm like the oldest of the millennials, but I kind of grew up around some Gen Xers too. And so this question will hit my Gen X and millennials right in the heart. How many of you remember the movie classic Biodome starring Paulie Shore. Where you at? Show of hands. Show of hands. All right. It's not a movie classic, am I right, guys? It's not. It's just ridiculous. It's silly. It's it's even stupid. We'll go that far. All right, don't go and watch it. But the movie, Biodome, was a, a spoof on an actual place. There really was a biodome. And if you grew up in the eighties or nineties, you remember maybe um, things that were going on in the eighties or nineties. The cartoons back then. Did anybody grow up watching Captain Planet? He's our hero, gonna take pollution down to zero. All right come on. Um, It was, you know, wind, heart. Okay. You remember all the things. It's crazy. Go YouTube it later. I don't know if there's still Captain Planet stuff happening out there, but I grew up in that era. They were worried about pollution all the time. They were worried about car pollution. They were worried about industrialization across the world. They were worried about the ozone layer. This was like what we grew up in. And so some of these scientists in Arizona and in New Mexico, they created these huge, huge greenhouses called, listen to me, Called Biodome 1 and 2. You can go look at this. And they created perfect Gardens of Eden, if you will. No water pollution. Perfect soil had exactly the right amount of acid and base. They were perfect. They put these perfect seeds in the ground that had not been polluted by anything. And they were gonna really learn a lot about our world if we could create better environments and what we were gonna lose if we consent, continued to see pollution, et etc., et, cetera, et cetera. It was just, they're still doing it today. It's, it was a, a crazy, crazy time. But one of the things, listen to me, that they discovered in Biodome 20 years later, is that the trees started falling over. These trees, can you imagine being a scientist, you're taking notes, you're doing your research, I'm here at Biodome, and all of a sudden this tree, (whistles) and then the next week, (whistles) these trees start falling over, and they're like, what is it? Is it the car pollution? No, is it the bad water? No, it's perfect, this is like Eden on Earth. And in the discovery, they realized that they had forgotten something super important the trees actually necessitate wind to survive and grow. And so in their beautiful insulated bubble, quite literally, they had left wind out as a part of the equation. That God, the great designer, superintends the wind that shakes us so that our roots might grow down deep. That the wind is actually a necessity so that our bark gets thick and strong. That the wind is what actually allows us to grow up big in huge canopies like that beautiful angel oak we just saw so that we might provide years and decades of fruit and shade for those around us. And so here's the whole point. I wanna finish today's sermon with a little theology of suffering because this isn't just good words that we're preaching, but God has placed us in a world that's got real wind. Amen? And you're going to leave here today and you're going to step back into your career or your life or your relationships. And it's going to be full of wind. You're going to face that boss or that ex, or that, that addiction or that child or, or that issue. And just truth all on, all on the, on record here. I want you to know that I've got some wind in my life that I'm, I'm actually having to change plans. i when I was asked to come and share with you guys, i set aside a couple of days and was gonna be here for uh, a night of worship and some team building stuff, but but found out that our oldest daughter, you saw her picture earlier, she's having surgery tomorrow morning for some cancer in her knee. And this is just, I just wanna put before you that following Jesus is not meant to be easy. That God is going to allow us to face wind, and that's okay. That he, again, takes what the enemy intends for evil, and does might know it? What does he do? He uses it for what? Good. And the cross is proof. I mean, if you were standing there at the cross, you would have said, this is horrible. This is the Messiah." This is the son of God and he's being killed right now, right before our eyes. And his whole, his whole movement is going to be shut down. But what do we find out three days later? That the Lord had taken what the enemy had intended for evil and he used it for good. Now, I don't want to just say that, but back up. It's all over the Bible. Do you remember David and Goliath? David, do you remember David and Goliath? Oh yeah, okay, kind of. But for 40 days and 40 nights, there was this Philistine that stood up and he taunted God's people and they shake it in the boots, David. And then David, he goes out there. He was just a cheese and milk deliverer. And this wild thing happens. You don't even have to be a Christian to know this story. What does he do? He ends up, bam, he knocks. Now let me ask you a question. Bible quiz, what killed Goliath? Somebody in the back said it. It wasn't the sling and the stone. I don't believe that. That knocked him out. But David, they didn't have these huge screens and an IMAG camera in the back to make it magnified. David goes and he takes the sword of Goliath, the same one that had been used to intimidate the people of God for 40 days and 40 nights. He cuts the head of Goliath off. I know this is crazy, all right? This is like um, mature church today. And what does the Bible say David does? He takes the head of Goliath and he lifts it up because on that mountainside over there and on that mountainside over there, they needed to see that that head is detached from that body. And the same sword that had been used to intimidate was used to kill. And I just wanna to suggest to you and I today that the wind that's coming into our lives is meant to grow some incredible trees. And you are, you are designed by God to be an oak of righteousness, not a tumbleweed here. And so I'm, I'm going to go first here, and I'm just going to say, I'm going to invite, would you pray for my family tomorrow as we go to have surgery with my daughter, to have this cancer removed from her knee, that God would use it for his glory, our joy, and the world's good? It's some wind, and I'm believing that God's going to use it to grow my daughter up to be an oak of righteousness, all right? But I'm not the only one. I want to invite you. Is there anybody in this room? Lights are up. They would say, I got some wind in my life I'm stepping back into, maybe this afternoon or tomorrow or next week. And that's you, show your hands. Where are my people that got a little wind in their life? Okay, awesome. If your hands up, would you stand to your feet? We're gonna pray for this group of folks as a family. Awesome, if you got some wind in your life, praise God. God's God's superintending wind to grow oaks of righteousness. And I wanna pray for everyone that is standing. And I wanna invite you, if someone's standing near you and you get a hand to their shoulder, maybe you know them or maybe, don't let anybody be standing alone though is my whole point here. Get a hand to a shoulder and let's, Let's respond like the people of God and pray that God would use this, whatever the situation is, to grow them up. And we'll pray for you. So let's fill this room with prayers right now. Father God, we thank you for wind. We thank you that you're the God of wind, that you're the God that takes what the enemy intends for evil and you use it for good. We remind ourselves even now that Romans 8 tells us you use all things for good for those that are called according to your purpose. And we recognize that we are on our way to the garden city. But in the meantime, you've called us to be a model of new creation. And so Lord, grow us up. Give us roots that grow down and trees that grow up. And Lord, I pray you would make these men, women, young and old, oaks of righteousness, and you would give them incredible faith through whatever windy situation that they're walking through. Would you bless your people today that have gathered in your house today for your glory, our joy, and the world's good. It's in Christ's name that we pray and we lay all these things at your feet and we say together Thanks for listening to the Trademark Church podcast. If this message inspired you today, feel free to share with friends, leave a rating, and subscribe so you don't miss any of our weekly messages. This podcast and everything that we do at Trademark Church is only possible because of the generosity of those that call Trademark Church home. If you would like to give to the work that God is doing through Trademark, please visit Trademark.Church. Thanks again for checking out the podcast and we'll see you soon.